You are listening to The Alligator Podcast, a podcast where the independent Florida Alligator, one of the largest student newspapers in the country, discusses our latest stories on the University of Florida, Gainesville, and beyond. Subscribe and tune in weekly on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or SoundCloud to hear our latest episodes on news, sports, and much more. Also be sure to follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Alligator Podcast. My name is Thomas Holton. I hope you're doing well wherever you're listening from. This is the news section of the podcast, and today we have a very special guest. You can go ahead and introduce yourself. Hi, everyone. I'm Diane McFarlane, and I'm Dean of the College of Journalism and Communications at the University of Florida. Thank you so much, Dean McFarlane, for coming on and speaking today. We're fast approaching the end of the fall semester and the end of your time here as Dean. And there's a lot that I wanna know about that. But first I was just wondering, so you announced that you'd be leaving at the end of the year uh, in March and then now it's December. Is there any sort of difference in the feelings from then to now things that have changed? Maybe like now that it's here, it feels more real or anything like that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I have so much trepidation about it. This role has been probably the most rewarding of my career. I've loved every minute of it and stepping away from it is especially hard. I will tell you though, that what's made it a little easier is the circumstances that we've found ourselves in, in 2020. This has been an unusual year, a challenging year. A lot of the Things that gave me great joy as dean haven't occurred this year. The opportunity to interact with students, commencements um, in person, being able to talk with faculty in the hallways, those sorts of, of aspects have not been present. And so I think that's eased exit for me a little bit. Um, I'm looking forward to retirement. I'm, I'm ready. I've worked exceedingly hard. My whole career, I started working when I was 15 years old and, you know, it's been a 24-7 pursuit for me. And so it's time for me to stop and, and uh, just sort of focus on personal issues, but I will greatly miss this role and everyone that I've come to know here from my colleagues at the college to our great alumni base, as well as, of course, the students and, you know, the students, especially that I have built relationships with. And just on the note of this year being crazy, so you announced that you were going to be leaving on March 9th, and then on March 11th was when President Fox announced that classes would be moving online. So you already spoke a little bit about it, but is it sort of deflating to have this year end this way, or is it? does it force you to cherish the time that you have been here even more? I think it's both. And you're right, what, what an incredible coincidence that I announced my retirement. Of course, I'd been in conversation with the provost about my retirement for many weeks ahead of that. But the fact that I announced it on Monday the 9th and then on Wednesday the 11th, we're told we're going virtual, it was uncanny, truly. And so part of me is sad that you know, this is not the way I envisioned my last year. But the other part of me is seeing it as a silver lining because it makes it a little bit easier to step away. And so you said you were in conversation a couple weeks before it was announced. So when did you 
start having the idea that this year would be your last year? And was there like a concrete reason or is it like you said, it just felt like it was time? Yeah, it was more than a couple of weeks. I'd mentioned it to the provost probably a few months before that it was something that I felt I, I probably should do and and just began talking through it with him, the, you know, the ramifications, the search process and so on. And it was purely, you know, a very a personal decision based on the, you know, time of life. I'm, I'm 66 years old. And as I said, I've worked exceedingly hard on my whole career. And there were signs that it was time to, you know, start taking better care of myself and spending greater effort on, you know, retaining health and so on. And um, I'd been Dean for eight years and that was longer than I had anticipated. I've shared the anecdote that when I was hired as Dean and I was talking with the HR department and they were talking about the benefits and the pension program versus the 401k plan. And I asked them, well, you know, what are the pros and cons? Well, one of the challenges of the pension plan is that you had to be vested for six years and excuse me, you had to be vested for eight years. And I said, oh, well, you know, I'm, I'm thinking that I'll probably be here six years. So I shouldn't sign up for the pension plan. And I ended up being here eight years because mm. it just, it's just been a complete joy ride. Yeah. And so you're the first Dean of the J school that is an alumnus of the J school. So when you went here, um, you graduated in 1976, what were things like back then for you as a student? And then what was your impression of the college just from a broad sense, the, the classes, any um, opportunities that were present, just what, what was it like back then? Well, it's interesting. There was so much that was similar and everything was different. You know, the, the program was, was nationally renowned as it is today. It was considered to be one of the best journalism schools in the nation. The education was just stellar. We had fantastic faculty as we do today, but the physical environment was very different. We were in the bowels of the stadium. I remember sitting in classrooms and there were big columns in the middle of the classroom because it was holding up the alumni section of the stadium. Our facilities were far inferior to what we have today, but we still had the hands-on experience that we have today. You know, it was a time of uh, great focus on journalism. It was the Watergate era. And so our enrollment was surging because so many young people of my generation saw that as a way to make a difference. The role of journalism in American society was heightened. It had been demonstrated by uh, what Woodward and Bernstein had done and the importance of their work uh, to our democracy. So there were a lot of us who were motivated to go into that field and it was elevating. It was really a very significant time. And then also I arrived here just a couple of years after the alligator went independent. Um, Ron Sachs, the venerable editor of the alligator, who by the way is now on my Dean's leadership council, he had taken the alligator independent over an issue regarding freedom of the press. And so that was a heady situation too. It was, it was a great time to be here, but I, I do think that you and our other students today get so many more experiences. I mean, my goodness, we have more than a dozen opportunities for professional immersion at this college. What a wonderful way to exercise what you're learning in the classroom. And so after you 
you left J school and you had a long career at the Sarasota Herald Tribune and a run at the Gainesville Sun. So at what point were you attracted to the idea of becoming the dean of the J school and coming back here? And also what did the school look like back then about eight or nine years ago? Well, it was not anything I ever considered until I was called by a recruiter who said I'd been nominated for the role. And I was shocked because I don't have an advanced degree. I had been on the Journalism Advisory Council here for about 15 years. I was on a Dean's Search Committee in the early 90s for this college. I was a donor to this college. I was deeply involved. I came up for various events. So this college has always been a big part of my life, but I never, ever dreamed that I would be dean. So when the recruiter called me, I started laughing. I said, well, you know, I'm, I'm very flattered. Thank you so much for calling, but I don't have an advanced degree, so I'm not qualified. And she said, well, not so fast. The president and provost have asked us to bring to the table candidates who are CEO types with journalism background. And I said, really? Well, would it be okay if I called the provost to talk about this? And she said, of course. So I called Joe Glover, my boss today, who was provost then. And I said, I'm not calling to lobby. I'm just calling to be sure that if I were to throw my hat in the ring, that I would in fact get serious consideration, given the fact that I don't have an academic background. And he said, absolutely. There are so many dramatic changes in the industry. And we want to consider people who are at the front line of these changes and can help the college navigate the future. And I was fascinated by that. The New York Times had just sold their group of regional newspapers, of which Sarasota was the largest. And so life was going to change dramatically for me at the Herald Tribune. And like a lot of things in my life, it was just fortuitous that the company had been sold as I was getting this call. So I had to think about it long and hard because it was a dramatic shift for me, but I threw my hat in the ring and lo and behold, I was selected. So I went ahead and retired from, I got my New York Times pension and uh, took the next six months as what I called a professional sabbatical to travel the country, looking at other journalism programs. I made untold phone calls to academics around the country. I read a number of books to school myself on this so that I could get a running start when I arrived. Once you got here, I'm curious about how you developed a vision for what you wanted to do with the J School, because given that like, journalism and media just it's always in a state of change mm -hmm. it is it difficult to like plan too far into the future knowing that everything is subject to change somewhat absolutely it it is impossible now in fact it's ludicrous to do a five-year plan or a 10-year plan and perhaps even a three-year plan because the change is so dramatic and much of it is difficult to anticipate. But what's important is that we're instilling those core values and standards and practices that are what make professional journalism so lasting and steadfast and provide the ballast that make careers in journalism important and successful. And so we have to make sure that we're reinforcing those standards and values, the ethics of our professions, while at the same time looking at how we need to evolve and how we need 
to change. And one of the things that I'm proudest of as dean is that the first faculty retreat we had that year, the topic was curriculum change. Within three months, the faculty of this college had developed curriculum revisions that were dramatic. And all but one was approved by the University Oversight Committee. And from that point forward, curriculum reform became not a process that cycled through every few years and not a process that cycled through every couple of years, but an ongoing process. We are constantly reviewing and evaluating curriculum so that we can remain current with what's happening in the disciplines that are represented at this college. The faculty was really hungry for forward momentum because the Great Recession had stymied all of that. And timing in life is everything. I stepped into this role just as the Great Recession was ending. And so that opened the door to make some changes that wouldn't have been possible before. And then going to the the opportunities that are here at the J School with the Alligator, the CJC announced, I think it was June last year, the grant that it was providing $100,000 for that year and then the next year. And then we recently heard good news that that grant will be renewed for another year. So can you talk a little bit about how important you feel uh, that grant is and just what's the importance you think of maintaining independence between the paper and the school and still supporting each other? Well, first of all, the alligator's role is essential to our program. It is such an important immersion opportunity. And those of you who go through the program get outstanding jobs. It positions you so well to be at the front of the line when you interview for positions. And alligator alumni are sitting at the New York Times, the Washington Post, the Wall Street Journal, um, great regional newspapers. It's such a wonderful training ground and a perfect complement to the instruction that you get at this college and a perfect accompaniment to programs like Fresh Take Florida and the Innovation News Center, WFT, all of that is great, great preparation. So I would hate to see the alligator disappear for that reason, but also because it's an essential part of campus life and really community, the community of Gainesville and surrounding areas. It is essential local news and helps us all make better decisions and be responsible citizens. The independent status, you know, it does make for a challenging financial situation. Newspapers, all newspapers are struggling right now and are trying to figure out the business model of the future. And I think it's even more difficult, more difficult for a free campus newspaper that doesn't have that subscription income. So I feel strongly that we should play some role in supporting the alligator because of its essentiality to our our program. But it does create an interesting challenge because we have to be really careful that we structure it in a way that it doesn't undermine the independence. And there has been conversation about trying to maybe revisit the independent stature, but when everybody's wearing a white hat, that works well. But if any black hats ever come into the picture, it doesn't work well. And so you have to design structures and processes with that in mind is to, is to making sure that whatever the organizational structure is, that it can be perennial. So I think the independent status probably needs to stay in place indefinitely. But I, I do think that the financial challenges will be present for some time. And um, 
you know, the alligator's done some great things to diversify its operations and it's much more stable now than it was a few years ago, which is wonderful. So I'm optimistic that it's going to do well going forward. Just speaking a little bit more on that, I mean, the future of journalism is seemingly just always in question. And like you said, when you got there, the biggest thing was updating curriculum and that's a continuous process. So after eight years of seeing students come and go through the journalism program, like how do you feel about the future of the profession and the field now as opposed to when you first got here? I'm concerned, of course, primarily because of the demise of community newspapers. There is a real crisis in America right now that so many community newspapers are folding or are going to less frequency of publication. And that means that those communities are not well served. In fact, civic life is corroding in those communities. Research is showing that people don't vote as much in those communities. Corruption goes up. Even municipal bond rates get higher because investors don't want to take a risk on a community that doesn't have that watchdog newspaper role, that checks and balance of you know, reporters paying attention to what's going on behind the curtains. It is, as I said, a crisis for America. And what I'm hoping is that it is getting to the point, it has gotten so bad that American citizens are gonna respond in a meaningful way. And it's already beginning with philanthropy. There are a great deal of communities now who have philanthropic support for their local newspapers to keep them thriving and operational. And I think that's going to begin to take hold across the country. I also think that we have to work on this issue of what is the truth and fake news. There is misrepresentation of facts and what is the reality by a lot of news outlets. And, um, you know, we just started the Consortium for Trust in Media and Technology here to explore that. It's a huge issue. It too is corroding American life. And I think that what needs to happen is there needs to be education, even as early as the elementary school years, about how to be an informed consumer of news and information. And until that happens, people are going to be deluded into thinking that information that is, in fact, not the truth is reality. And so people tend to make critical decisions in their lives, including voting on the basis of misrepresented information. Moving on from just journalism, the J School is obviously, we have PR, advertising, and telecom. So given you've been in journalism most of your life, basically, and you were, you were stepping into a role eight years ago where you'd be responsible for these other disciplines, what was your approach toward developing those programs when you, you maybe didn't have the wealth of background mm-hmm. understanding as you did with journalism? Right. Well, you know, there's no way that a dean can have a background in all four disciplines, but I came in with a deep appreciation for all of our disciplines. And in fact, I intentionally made investments in the other disciplines before I made investments in our journalism program, because I wanted to demonstrate to everybody that I understood the critical role that those majors play in our program. And in fact, you know, public relations, that profession is one of the fastest growing and the job opportunities are plentiful in public relations. Advertising too is exceedingly important. 
telecommunication was already well served by our media properties. We have seven media properties, which uh, create a great opportunity for our students, both on the production and news side. Uh, one of the first things that we did after I became Dean was to start the agency. What I found when I got here was there were so many professional immersion experience for our journalism and uh, broadcast news students, but very few for our advertising and public relations students. So we launched the agency. We hired three full-time professionals to guide our students in those fields and how to learn by doing, to have a frontline experience. And it's thriving today. In fact, it's doing better financially now than ever. And the experience is, is truly a rich one for those students. So I feel really good about that. And I feel like all of our majors are very, they're stabilized, they're thriving, and um, all of them continue to evolve and innovate. And then another big focus you've had, along with developing these other initiatives, has been promoting diversity and inclusion. There was the, the We Are CJC initiative, which was really good, just different classes. And then I saw that the enrollment for the college is 75% women. Was that a main focus of yours coming in, or was that something you slowly had to, to develop well, diversity and inclusion has been a focus for me for my whole career. When I was president of the American Society of Newspaper Editors, it was one of my core platform items. And before that, I had chaired the diversity committee and for the American Society of Newspaper Editors and had organized a national symposium on diversity and inclusion. But what needed to happen was society at large needed to take stock, even if you're in a leadership role and you're making it a high priority, if the stakeholders don't feel as strongly, it's very, very difficult to move something like that forward. You can do all kinds of training in that area, but, but people have to really, they have to feel it. It has to be something that is understood as a priority. And finally, you know, industry came to the realization that the only way to, to thrive and succeed in this day and age is to have a you know, multicultural organization and to have a multicultural sensitivity to understand all of your customers, you know, no matter what their backgrounds. And for us, we have a huge obligation to prepare our students for this world, to help them lead progress in this area, and to also create a pipeline where students from underrepresented groups are getting this great experience, are getting this wonderful education, and are prepared to become leaders in the fields. And finally, industry is, is hungry for that. They are looking for that. Um, they are crying out for that, and we're trying to be responsive. It begins with recruitment of faculty and staff who are people of color, who students can look to as mentors and role models. And so we have made great strides in that regard, but we have a long way to go. We have you know, a great deal to do. I'm really excited about that and what the future holds. And Hub Brown, uh, next dean, I know that's a big, like he's championed that in like his meetings and just the whole uh, interview process. So 
I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about your excitement on what he could potentially bring to the CJC and maybe any conversations that you've had with him in the process of trying to figure out who is going to be here next. Yeah, I'm happy to. First of all, I want to observe that all of the finalists for this position, for my successor, were people of color. And I think that's a huge achievement and a real bragging right for this college. As far as Hub himself, I've known Hub for as long as I've been a dean. In fact, he and I did two accreditation site team visits together. We um, were the review team for Arizona State, the Cronkite School, and for the University of Puerto Rico. And so those are three very intense days of reviewing journalism program at another school. And um, he and I did that together and I got to know him very well on those trips. And I'm a big admirer. I think he's gonna be outstanding in this role. He is, um, in addition to being someone who's been in journalism education for more than two decades, he is also someone with professional experience. So he brings a nice mix of you know, academic experience and a professional background. And he's very high integrity, really innovative in his thinking and and grounded in those standards and values that, that are so important to us. So I'm excited. He and I have had a number of conversations and um, what is most gratifying is how excited he is about coming here, how much he's looking forward to it. And it is one of uh, very few programs that he would leave Syracuse to come to. So it's a great compliment to us that he did throw his hat in the ring for this job and did accept the offer to come here. We've been talking about, you know, the big changes to the college over this eight-year run, the agency, just more programs and initiatives. I was wondering, from your position, just overseeing everything, have you noticed or put your mind to any, like, smaller changes in the college over the eight years you've been here, just little things, whether it's things you notice in students, in faculty, things that wouldn't be as immediately evident, but you think are really important to making the college what it's become. Well, one of the things we haven't talked about, and it's not a small thing, it's actually a very big thing, is our research program. We have expanded our research capacity significantly over the last eight years, and I'm, I'm so proud of that. We have world-class researchers in this college who are doing groundbreaking work. And, you know, they really are leaders in this field. When we have the, you know, national conferences every year that bring together the top educators in the country and top researchers in the country, our faculty are front and center. And I'm, I'm so proud of that. We have built capacity in a lot of areas that are emerging as critically important. One is health communication. You know, that is an area that is essential to quality of life um, worldwide. And communication historically is something that has gotten short shrift in the healthcare industry. So our scholars are working shoulder to shoulder with researchers at UF Health to ensure that discoveries are disseminated in a way that are actionable by the public to ensure that clinical trials get enough participants. You know, a huge percentage of cancer research, for example, can't be completed because they can't populate the clinical trials. They can't get enough people to participate. So for our researchers to be playing a role in that is really key. 
health care for underserved communities is an area of emphasis for us. And then, you know, looking uh, in another area, I mentioned the Consortium for Trust in Media and Technology. Our scholars are at the front lines there doing fascinating work around fake news, misinformation, disinformation, conspiracy theories, data privacy, artificial intelligence and information, distribution platforms, all of these issues that are front and center right now and are just going to increase in importance. And for our faculty to be thought leaders in these fields is huge. And it's one of the things that makes this school so reputable and so respected. So we're, it's December, what's today? December 3rd, we're recording this. So do you know like what the last thing that you have to do as Dean is? When finals week is over and winter break starts, are you still going to be doing things up until the very end? Like, do you know what the last thing you have to do is? Yeah, I'll definitely be doing things up until the very end. You know, they might have to uh, physically remove me because it's going to be so hard to leave. I'm working exceedingly hard right now to close out some of my priorities and to make sure that I'm handing off first to Spiro Cusis, the interim dean, and, and then ultimately to Hub Brown, that I'm handing off a program that is in, in wonderful shape. And I feel like I'm doing that. I, I have some final priorities. For example, we're almost ready to hire a new managing director the first managing director for the Consortium on Trust in Media and Technology. I've closed out a couple of, or I'm closing out a couple of million dollar gifts that I've been working on. President Fox asked me to lead a values initiative for the University of Florida to establish the university's core values. And on Friday, I'll present to the Board of Trustees what those uh, recommended values are. And this was after a research project that our researchers led. Uh, a survey was sent to 100,000 stakeholders of the University of Florida um, to determine what we see as key values. So that will be wrapped up before I leave. Just a number of other things um, looking around my desk that I, I want to finish before I go. And then I'll feel like I, you know, I did what I committed to do, that I'm leaving this in great shape and I'm going to stay in Gainesville and I want to continue to be involved. I want to be able to interact with everybody and watch with great pride the continued progress of this incredible institution. Is there something that you're looking forward to, especially with, with more time, like some books that you have been on your list or something like that? Oh my gosh, you should see my bookshelf. I buy books religiously. I just never have time to read them. There's we're so the, much- We're the same. Yeah, you know, in this day and age, we get fed so much interesting content. I get so many newsletters that I thoroughly enjoy. And then there's a lot of reading that I have to do uh, related to this job. I call it assigned reading, even though I'm assigning myself, but I never get to read books. So that is very much at the top of the list. Um, exercise. I don't exercise now and that's, you know, that leads to health issues. So exercise, um, taking care of myself is high on the list. Visiting friends and family. You know, I have a circle of college friends. There are 14 of us who've stayed very close and you know, they all get to visit with each other and I don't, I'm usually, you know, not present except for occasional Zoom calls. So that's high priority and just, a, you know, a lot of people who are important to me 
So spending time with them. And then when the pandemic is no longer such a concern, travel. There are many places in the world I want to visit and um, including the United States. I, you know, I've visited a lot of countries, but there are a lot of places in the U.S. I haven't visited, so I want to do that. And then at some point down the line, I would like to take on a few projects that are related to what I've been doing over the last uh, 40-some years, and uh, I think that that would be greatly rewarding. That sounds amazing. I think I want to retire, too. Is that okay? <laughs> yeah, you know, it's interesting. I, when... Um, when I was your age, I really wasn't thinking about retirement, but I started thinking about it mid-career and thought, oh, well, you know, I want to retire early. But if you find a profession you love and a job you're dedicated to, you don't want to retire so much. And those years just start to go by. You're, you're you know, loving every minute, enjoying it. And it's only when you start to feel like there was a cost to working so hard that then you have to take retirement seriously. But even when the years rolled up that I thought I might retire at, 55, for example, it's like, no, I'm, you know, definitely not ready. I definitely want to keep going because what could be better than this? So what I wish for you and all the students of CJC is that you have careers like that. Thank you very much. I, I hope so too. So before we end, if you wanted to mention any final things or any last message to people listening that you'd like to leave on, now's the time to do that. Well, I just want to express my gratitude to everyone um, who has made this such a, a complete pleasure and um, that I intend to stay in support of this college. It will always be very important to me and, and just thank you. Thank you again, Dee McFarland, for coming on. This has been the news section of the podcast. I've been your host, Thomas Holton. You can find me on Twitter at Thomas underscore underscore Holton. We appreciate everyone for listening, and we'll see you guys next time. Thanks for listening to The Alligator Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, leave a review, and follow us on Twitter at The Alligator, as well as find all of our latest stories at alligator.org.